0: Hey, on today's episode, Throwing the Gauntlet, we're discussing an incredible debate between Rabbi Chaim of Elijah, the Baal Shem Tov, and Rabbi Bunim about the role of Torah learning and the theological revolution it inspired. I'm Moshe Sharman, and this is the Chavusa Podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3,000 years. In the first four episodes of the season of The Quest for Authenticity, the Torah and Thought of Rasenkabonim of we've spoken about the historical context of where Peshiska was, its role in history and in the revitalization and the rebellion, in a sense, that Peshiska stood for and came to bring to task some of the static establishment or way things. We're just done, so highly recommend those first four episodes: the biographical context, the historical context, the the um, intellectual context, the the way of thought, and the general way of thinking that was embodied by Peshischa. And this week, next few episodes, we're going to jump into the actual ideas and the seminal ideas as reflected um, in the Torah of Rabbanim and Peshischa. Today's episode jump into the first area Torah Torah learning itself Torah in a a broad sense means a teaching it's a way of life Torah lifestyle but in a more narrow sense perhaps Torah is understood as the learning itself learning Torah itself learning Gemara learning the Torah with the commentaries the act of learning what role does that, should that, might that play in the life of a Jew? Life of a Jew. The, every single Jew as an individual. How much focus, how much priority, what aim the Torah learning, what does that, what should it be bringing a person to, what, what intentions, how does one incorporate that? That's the the question. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to learn Torah. You say it, the source in the, the Pasach, in the verse, we say it every day in the Shema. There's really two, Rabbi it Salanter, mm-hmm. found that the Mussar movement really points out there's really two mitzvahs to learn Torah. Number one is the actual act of learning itself, and number two is to know the Torah. So it's the learning itself, and then it's to know it. So even if you know all of Torah, and you somehow, encyclopedically, Torah is pretty vast. Uh, If you learn one page of Talmud a day, which are like two sides, it will take you seven and a half years. That's just the Talmud. There's a lot more. So, let's say you already know it all. There's still, according to Rabbi Sal Salantar, and he explains this based source in the Torah, in the in the Chamesh itself, that there's another message just to be learning. Eisek Torah, to involve yourself in the act of learning Torah. Your mind, when your mind is grappling and absorbed, in Devar Hashem, and the words of Hashem, the Torah, which is authored by God, you your mind is being wrapped one in parcel with the expressions and with the will of God and it's super lofty ideal to reach. The Gemara in Mesecha Shabbos teaches that every Jew, after they pass to the next world, one of the first questions that they're posed is, Kavata itim la Torah, have you set in your life, did you set aside times to learn Torah? One of the great things about having a Chavrusa or a set time to learn Torah every day, you have that Kavata itim. I set a time. It could be five minutes, it could be five hours, it could be 15 minutes, or it could be listening to the Chavrusa podcast. In the philosophy of the great yeshivas, heads of the yeshivas. If you want to take it in the time, time frame, the the lifetime of Rabbonim, some of the contemporary Russia yeshivas that were around in his day, and contrast. So, in in, in the world view of the yeshivas or Mesnagdim, the non Hasidim. Learning Torah was given the highest, the focused highest of priorities, not only just in focus and priority, but theologically. Theologically, somebody that learns Torah becomes a partner, a partner with God, a partner with Hashem in creating the world. I'll read you the Nefesh Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Velazhen, who founded the yeshiva in Velazhen, which later became known as the mother of all yeshivas, of contemporary yeshivas, because so many of... The yeshivas are rooted back in Volusian, um a small town on the border of Russia and Poland, I believe. And he writes the follow, following in his book, Shar Shardala, in the fourth gate in his book, when a, a Jew involves themselves in learning Torah, Nishlam Kavanaso the intention of God becomes complete in his creation. The purpose of creation is fulfilled. Bishfil For creation was only for Torah that the Jewish people should engage and engross themselves in Torah. and he quotes Chazal, our great sages, the Medrash says on the, the first word in the Torah, Berash. In the beginning, Medrash says, quoted by Rashi, Bishfil Hatarash and Bishvil Yisrael shenekaracious, Bishvil Moshe shenekaracious. Throughout the Torah, you'll have three things that are called first, beraeous, in the beginning, for three beginnings: Torah, the Jewish people, Moses, Moshe. The that was why the world was created for these beginnings, for Torah, for following in the 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 way of Torah, Moshe, and Sinai. The Torah that Moshe transmitted from Sinai. So, super high, heavy focus on Torah learning. Comes along the Hasidic movement, before, well, well before Bunim and the Baal Shanto, with a different stress and a different focus. And that was on the heart, on the emotion. If Torah is associated with the mind, when your mind is engaged with it's a completely intellectual, full focus, full mindfulness, settling into into das, into wrapping your mind around the details of, of the Torah. Hasidim stressed the service of the heart as the primary value. And enraptured prayer and davening and mitzvahs into really pouring out your... Emotion and focus and devotion in physical mitzvahs in a way of the world, not necessarily in the holes of the base medrash, but in your, in your daily mitzvahs. And as a byproduct of that, some of the emphasis on tr- the traditional value of learning was diminished. Especially as the popularity of the Hasidic movement grew and it became a mass movement. Mass movements, by definition, appeal to the most common of denominators. If everybody's jumping in, and therefore it could no longer, and didn't wish to longer be in the realm of, and, and in the area of the elites, of the intellectual elites, into the into the people that were really hard hard in mind into study and learning, uh, but it was meant for every single person, for the wood cutter, for the milk carrier, for the wagon driver. And as a result of that, by definition, the, the, the level of scholarship and the level of, of Torah learning and the level of intellectual engagement diminished. Comes Peshizka in reaction to this, to restore primacy to reassert the value of learning Torah as a primary value, also in Hasidic realm. In the realm that places an extreme focus on the emotion and on the heart to also face an extreme focus on the mind and Torah learning, to combine the two, to become both a scholar, a Talmud Chacham, as well as a spiritual seeker of the heart. So you can have a contemporary of Rabbonim and his teacher, the Yehudi, Um, the contemporary wrote a book called Imre Kodesh Hashalam*, which was written by the Saraf, the Saraf of Uri of Strelisk. He died in the mid-1800s, and he wrote about Peshushka. He said their approach was a new approach to infuse the hearts of the Jewish people as how to serve Hashem with Torah and prayer together, and that had never been done before in the world. And perhaps a drop, hyperbolic and a little bit of exaggeration. But what the Sarif is showing that this author was saying is that the Jewish world was essentially divided into those who followed the classic path of the study of the mind and of, of learning Gemara and, and sitting in the base madrash, as contrasted with the, with the others that were into the pious behavior of the Hasidic world. And to fuse both, to join those two was seen as something that was completely original. A new approach. The Chadush the first Gera Rabbah, says very similar, similar vein. He says that you, the Yehudi, who's the Rabbunim's teacher, merited to have two senses, the sense of the revealed Torah and the sense of the Hasidim, and neither hurt the other. It didn't take away. A lot of times you might have people that have attempted to do both, but it would seem as though one of them didn't have as much of an intensity. And in Peshischa, learning Torah and pious behavior were inseparable. So you could have to the extent that the Yehudi one said that Gemara and Teisvis are a mikveh of the mind. It's a mikvah of the mind. And therefore, he wrote in a letter once, if, a, if you're in a place with no mikvah, a mikvah, is a place where if you're in a spiritual state of uncleanliness, that's not a physical one, but a spiritual uncleanliness, you came into contact with some sort of death. Then you go into the mikveh and you emerge anew. What if you do if you're in a place that has no mikveh? Then you shall learn Gemara instead, says the Yehudi, Khsirik Rabbah. When the is writing this, or alternatively, he also said that the best way to prepare for davening is by learning Gemara and Taisvis. When he's saying this, it's not just something clever, uh, you know, a cute uh, remark, but he's expressing something fundamental that really strikes. It's, it's a, a counterpunch at so much of the systematic Hasidic world of the time. He's equating Gemara with the mikvah, He's equating learning with chasidus with pious behavior. He's reasserting that this role of learning is within the repertoire of a chassid, that when a person falls to the depths, Torah could get them out, it has the power, the cleansing power the same way a mikvah does. And it's throwing down a gauntlet to the world of, of the, the the world of his time. They saying, "It's it's a, a revolution and a rebellion against the Hasidic world." Yet at the same time, it was also a break from the traditional, systematic way of learning Torah, and understanding of it. It was a break from that. Nefesh Shachai and Sharr talks about Torah learning. The goal of Torah learning is Torah learning itself. That's the definition of. Learning Lashma, which is the highest ideal, one could learn for its purpose. How do you define the purpose? What is the purpose? Nefeshachayim, yeah. quoting the rush says the purpose is Lashima Torah, in order to learn Torah. Whereas in Rabbanim it was something else, and Peshiska was something else. Torah learning itself was meant to bring to higher value. He would quote the Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara, right at the beginning of Mesachas, Brachas tractate, Brachas, the first tractate. In the Talmud, on page 5, Gemara says that if somebody has misfortune before them, they should introspect. Don't only look at the physical reasons why it happened. Let's say somebody lost money. Don't only look at the stock market trends and you sold shorted doge and that's why you lost money. Don't only do that, but figure out like spiritually what is something they... We're, we're something that you're lacking. The physical world is all a manifestation of the spiritual world. Where is this in the spiritual world? So try to find something. What do you do if you can't find anything? Says the Gemara. You go through your whole uh, actions. You're, you're you're great. You're a great person. You're not gossiping. You're helping out people. You're working on yourself. Shabbos is in the clouds. It's awesome. Or it's in the earth, but you're bringing the clouds down to earth. So what should you do then? You got nothing nothing lacking spiritually. Says the Gemara. You should assume that it's because you stopped learning Torah. You neglected the study of Torah. That's the Gemara. Asks Rabbanu. Rabbanu says, what do you mean? Neglecting Torah study in itself is a spiritual flaw. So what does the Gemara mean when it says if you can't find anything, then assume it's the neglect of Torah? You just found something. If if you've neglected Torah, then you found something. So, so what does that mean? Says the Gemara, if you can't find anything, get to the beta Torah. That in itself is the problem. Explains the Rebbe. You're reading it wrong in love yitzl peittel torah the reason not the reason for your misfortune the reason why you can't find it what's the reason that you can't discover your flaw your lack in the spiritual realm in your personality development in your character the reason why is peittel torah because you haven't learned torah enough when a person learns torah kahogan in its fullest expression, in its right way, then you're able to see things within yourself. The Torah learning itself reveals you aspects of yourself. The more you learn, the more you realize your own weaknesses. It provides insight into your strengths, into who you are as a person, into what your goal is in life, what your ambitions are, what you're aiming to, what's your five-year goal, what's your ten-year goal, where do you want to go, where, where are you holding now, where have you been? How far have you come? The more you're learning, then the more you're able to understand where you are, who you are. It's the gateway to self-analysis. And if you're isolated from the world of learning, and you're just going through, even if you're doing the whole day, you're doing great stuff. You're doing everything the Torah says, you're doing all these great things, everything you've read and this and that and here and there. But if you're not engaged in the world of learning, you're alienating yourself from the primary mechanism of self-understanding. So you might be living a scripted life, that's a great script, but that's not necessarily you. You haven't yet engaged in you. And it's rooted in very deep mystical concepts, very deep notions that the Torah is the blueprint of the world, it's a blueprint of creation. You're part of the creation of the world and it's a blueprint for you. And the more you engage in the blueprint, the more you understand the architect's vision in yourself and you being the construct. So the more you understand the vision and the details, you can more understand which parts need reinforcement, which parts need further development. And this means that in the worldview of Pesheska, human behavior is the opportunity to deepen your own self, your own spirituality. By gleaning wisdom from everything around you, from the birds, from people around you, from designs, from art, from music, from whatever it is, you go out into the world, you, you're you learning, and that learning is Torah. Because Torah is not limited to the Gemara. Of course you need that. It's two things, it's two things, right? Wisdom is what you're learning from everyone and everything. Halomey mikal adam, halomey mikal adam, mikal davar, as Perky Alvos talks about. But it also means that you're being analytical. Is that you're taking everything that's going in there and then you're integrating and incorporating it into your mind. And it's not only how you look at the world. It's not only, oh, what this person said, what this person thinks. But what does that mean for me? That everything is a mirror. And now I'm, I'm seeing whatever I see. I learn from that, I study, I analyze it, I think about it. What's the message here? What's something that I could take from it and discover about myself? And once I discover about myself, then that is really the whole essence of Torah. That that it's what it is. So one one of the greatest compliments that I've ever gotten, I like to think of it as one of the best compliments. That's how I remember it. We're at a Shabbos meal, we're hosting. And for whatever reason, um, for whatever reason, Peter Pettigrew came out. Somebody mentioned Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew is a character in Harry Potter. And it was used as an example. And I jumped into the conversation and I said, by the way, Peter Pettigrew, if you think about his role in Harry Potter, that gives insight into Bill. Parshas Billup. happened to have been Parshas uh, Bullock at the time when he talks about Billup. Bilam, the non Jewish prophet and his donkey, and prophet for hire to curse the Jews, and back and forth, the whole story very deep, donkey, everything. And we were able to show from the story of Pettigrew a new insight into understanding Billah. And somebody there said, Here you go again. You're always twisting things into Torah, like from Peter Pettigrew into Torah. You're taking, uh, Whatever's happening in, uh, in sports, in uh, contemporary news, and, and finding a Torah aspect to it. So the reason why it's such a compliment because it's not just, oh, like a, uh, a stretch of imagination that you're able to draw a parable from one place to the other. But that is how, what wisdom is itself. That is what Torah is. That is how the, the aim of what Torah's learning should be is that you're able to go. So Rebbeim writes, for example, he says that there could be a person who reaches the quality that he learns from everyone, even from the speech of ordinary people talking about worldly matters. He finds some allusion to wisdom hadas Eretz rasha. Right, kol simcha. Parsha stayetsa. That's the that's the level to reach. The level to reach is is that you're sitting on a train, you're on a bus, you're. Walking down the street, you're able to find a way to make that a moment of Torah. Now, to clarify, to be clear, I don't think I'm there at this quality that Rabudam's talking about. I lucked out at that one conversation with Patrick, but that's what I'm aiming for. And in this worldview, our goal as humans isn't to uplift divine sparks that are in the world that are covered by klippas, that are cabalistically trapped, and that we're unlocking these divine sparks. Nor is it a world that we as humans have to extricate ourselves from this lowly physical world and and transcend. But it's to relate to the everyday, to the physical world, that the world is what it is. And our role is to see it for what it is. So mundane, profane conversations aren't veiled allusions to some mystical secrets that could be understood through some combination of capitalistic secrets and letters and whatnot. No, the mundane physical world is real. That's what it is. And how you relate to it is up to you. How are you going to engage in a conversation of pedigree? could be pedigree or it could be insight into into uh Billum, into loyalty, into a level of loyalty. I, I, I uh, created a class afterward. That's now in my repertoire, if anyone uh, ever hires me to, to speak, I could give this class. That hasn't happened yet. But three levels of loyalty. If you want to become a loyal person, how to reach all three. Not to be stuck at the lowest. pedigree didn't even make it. But after pedigree there's three more examples. And you could find those archetypes within Harry Potter, but it's three levels, and where we want to hit. I think we want to be loyal people. I want to be a loyal person. I consider it both my great strength and my great weakness. This is what I'm. I'm trying to be loyal. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah. So so according to this perception of Peseshka, the world is not something that we're we're shunning. Its the physicality is not something to. To view mystically or to view uh, condescendingly, but the the day to day life of regular people's opportunity to serve Hashem, and it applies to Jews and Gentiles alike. So Rabbanim says, this is quoted in Siach Sarfei Kodesh, which is a collection of teachings of Rabbanim, who says that we can learn from Polish politicians at the time he was living in Poland. He would draw lessons from Polish politics. He would take the mundane politics of the time and show from like this politician is doing this, this, and and without getting into the debate over the tax code or whatever they were talking about, but he would bring out lessons and show show Torah from there. He would talk about Polish nationalism and what that means. So it's clear he's not giving it some mystical significance right it's not that this politician was was onto something so deep and so uh so vast but no he's taking the, the 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 people of his time observing them and showing maybe the passion and the commitment of their thing right you could have today you might know some people that are super passionate about prop 306 and they and they get all into it they I uh, just made up that number. All right, so it's just some uh, proposition they're having a local elections about whether or not to relocate this part of public property uh, to to division off one corner to turn it into a playground, something like that. And people can get super passionate on both sides, and they'll start petitioning and rallying and things like that. Now you could look at it and just say like. I don't know, like, okay, prop, 306, yes, no, like, why are you getting so involved in it? Or you could look at it and say, one second, what can I learn from this? Where's this passion coming from? Why is this person so excited or, or so agitated about this proposition? About a seemingly non, non-vital non issue, right? And, and to try to get into the core, L- look at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl takes over America. Either you could just dismiss it and say, "Ah, whatever, like a bunch of people throwing football, like, whoa, ah, there's nothing to it. It's silly. Or you could try to figure out, like, what's going on? What's going on that millions of people, hundreds of millions of people are enraptured by this? Where's it coming from? What's the desire? How could I tap into that desire and channel it for something elevated? That's Peshiska. And perhaps it gives understanding into why Peshiska moved away from more Kabbalah teachings. Very rare to find Kabbalistic teachings you won't... I think maybe there's like one or two times that the Zohar is even quoted. Zohar, the heart of, of Kabbalah, which is dominant in many Hasidic works, but in Peshiska, it's, it's glaringly missing. And it was a move away towards more philosophy, more, more of works such as the Rambam and the Maral, thinkers that are, are coming from a more introspective personal spiritual psychological development that bringing it back into the real world into your day-to-day instead of focusing on a more mystical right but to focus more on the on the pshah, to focus more on integrating what you know and how that's going to manifest in your behavior the next day A great example this is the story of the Chedusha Arim. first Gary when he was younger he was a student, he became a student of the Khatskarabi, the successor to the rabbonim And he said, What did he learn on the first day? He so said he walked into Khatsk, into the, I don't know, wherever they were in the shoal. And the Khatskarabi pulled him over and he said, I'll tell you what a chassid is. I'll tell you what a Jew is. Person that asks themselves why. Always be asking yourself why. Why am I doing this? Why is this happening? Why am I learning this? What's it going to mean to, m- to my life? Why is tomorrow going to be different today? How is it going to be different? That, that's the prerequisite. What, asking. Intellectual thinking. The mind. Learning. It's going to lead to introspection self-analysis. So our once said, possible for a person to be a tzaddik and to be a shaita. It's p- possible to be pious and to be an idiot at the same time. Or you can be a very pious person, but not thinking. And a pashizka doesn't work. That doesn't work because there's such an emphasis on, on authenticity. and what was the outcome of this? This revolution, in a way, this twinning of Torah learning and of chasidahs, of the heart, the heart and mind coming together, a revolution began to spring in Poland. Because now, the highest of highest, the most advanced Jews gravitated towards Pashiska. Because here was the apex of both the intellectual aspect and both the emotional aspect. This is where people wanted to be. So there's on one end uh, uh, intellectual rejuvenation happening in the Hasidic world because of the reasserted value of learning and and intellect in general right that's now flourishing so Rabonim is attracting both the great pious Hasidim that are questing and thirsting questing questing and thirsting for for truth for honesty for realness for something genuine for real heart for real emotion and at the same time, twinning both the highest scholarly academic achievements you could reach in Judaism, and this is a big challenge. It's a big challenge to the existing establishment. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed, it before you even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that listen to the other episodes, please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.